open, if you will, to Numbers, the 21st chapter. Last week, we started sharing, and we're only going to do two messages. This is the second part of it, called Miraculous Results. And we made this comment, uh, what happens, you know, when you pray for a miracle and you don't see immediate results? You know, what, what do we do? Do all miracles happen immediately? Do And sometimes, you know, we read stories where miracles were like, boom, in the Bible. And so what we see, though, is this, though, that sometimes, even when Jesus ministered to people, miracles uh, started and began to work. As a matter of fact, uh, there were uh, some people who had some situations in their body, and it said as they went, they began to recover from that moment. And so we can see through the Bible that not all miracles, so to speak, are apparent, or do we see the end result immediately? And so we talked about that because it's important. What do we do when we're looking for a miracle or God to answer a prayer and we don't see immediate change. And so we're going to go to Numbers 21. We left off here last week, and we're going to begin reading in verse 7. It says, Now this is the children of Israel. They've come up out of Egypt. The way they have now been seeing God work in their life has been pretty dramatic and pretty instantaneous. Like, you know, he literally brings them out, I mean, their clothes don't wear out. They're instantly healed. The Bible tells us that there's no sick among them. They have provision abundantly. I mean, they come out of Egypt, and this is like the only way they see God. Then all of a sudden, their enemies start coming behind them. The Red Sea parts, it didn't take a week. You know, they weren't out there all blowing, going... <laughs> Man, we need this. Come on, God. They, I mean, it happened. And it was incredible. The sea closed on their enemy. This is what they're seeing. They're watching a pillar of fire, a cloud of glory following them. I mean, it's just like what you need, God's got it. And um, you would think somebody like this who has experienced the supernatural, I mean, they watched all their kids protected, where all the enemy's kids, all the firstborn died. I mean, they saw plague after plague after plague. I mean, they're experiencing all kinds of things. And I mean, here's an interesting thing. Every day, except on Sunday, donuts are literally falling out of the sky. It's called manna. It's like a bread. That's why we have donuts this morning. No. <laughs> But literally, they could, it happened six days, and it's so supernatural how it's happening. It's like crazy. And they're trying to take advantage of this thing. You say, what do you mean? Well, he said, go out and collect this what, you know, what is this stuff that rains down enough for each day. You just do it. And it's so supernatural that when you get to Saturday or, you know, Friday, you collect enough so you don't have to on Sunday, and then, and it will last, but if you collect double on Monday, it's so supernatural, this thing's going to turn to maggots, so, you know, if you try to double up on any other day, I mean, they're watching supernatural stuff happen all the time. Do you know Christians really do have supernatural things happening all the time? They really do, but sometimes Christians are looking for spectacular things. You know, just having the peace of God in your heart is supernatural. The world doesn't have it. They don't. I mean, it may seem like, yeah, but I have it every day of the week. But the world doesn't have that. I mean, nobody else was getting manna back then. But it's amazing that they're on their way and they're seeing all this stuff, and they got really impatient and not really satisfied with what they had. Let's pick the story up in verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea. 
to go around the land of Eden, and the soul of the people became discouraged on the way. It literally means impatient. They just were like, ugh, ugh. And when impatience starts working or discouragement starts working, man, stuff can start dripping out of your mouth. You know, remember what the saying when you grew up, if you don't have, I don't know if they say this to kids anymore. They may just say, say bad, but uh, in the world, but they used to say, if you don't have anything good to say, don't, don't say anything at all. Another translation, the Christian translation is, if you don't have anything good to say, repent and say something good, right? And because we do have something good to say, but what happened to them was they got impatient and it's interesting what they started to do. And thank God we're Christians, so we would never do any of this. But we sure know some people who might fall into this. It says, then they journeyed, their souls uh, of the people became discouraged on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses, and they said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Wow, what an incredible thing. Why did you do this to us? You know, how quick they forgot what bondage looked like. I mean, they were making wages, but just to live. They weren't prospering in that land. It was all the other people who were prospering there. It wasn't them. And, and then whenever the people there felt threatened, they just made it harder on them. And they're like, why'd you bring us out of that? Now remember, if you know the Bible or if you've read this before, you know that their cries were going up before God and he heard them. He recognized they were not pleasant, that they were under a bondage and God responded. And he does to the hearts of people. You know, there are people out in the world who you don't know, who I don't know, but we may know them, who are at home at night crying out, going, is, is there more to life? You know, we live in a society in a time when there's distress in the world and people are not publicly going, what do we do? But they're at home and they're thinking, there's got to be more to life. What in the world is happening? And you know, people like that, God will send people to. And he did that for these people. And so it says here in verse 5, and the people spoke against God and against Moses, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our, our soul loathes this worthless bread. Ooh. Now, it's one thing to not like our donut selection. Right? It's another thing to not like manna. And he said in verse 6, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Technically, he permitted them to come. And it says, He sent them, and they bit the people, and many of the people died. So this is not good. And verse 7 says, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you, Pray the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. Notice their prayer, their desire for change, and notice what it is. And we briefly touched on this. God did not answer their prayer the way they prayed it. They said, Lord, get this out of here. And the Lord did not answer that prayer like that. They said, Lord, get these things out from our midst. And so it says, so Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8, then the Lord said to Moses, take a fiery serpent and set it on the pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. Now notice, it doesn't talk about the serpents disappearing. But it gives them an answer. And what are we talking about? The miraculous. 
And what we're saying is, what if I don't get an instant manifestation when I've prayed for a miracle? What do I do? And really, this story right here is like many others. You know, we looked at Peter walking on the water. He, he got faith, but then he had to do something after he got faith. And here it says, we've sinned, we've done wrong. So the Lord gives instruction and he says, take a, a brazen serpent, you know, some kind of brass looking snake and put it on a pole, put it in front of the people and everybody who looks at it will be healed. Now, when we talk about this, we need to recognize there is a lot happening here. A lot. One is this. He's telling them, and the way it reads in the Hebrew is to take your attention from one thing and move it on to something else. It's not like, man, I've been bit. And, uh, oh, there's that brazen serpent and my attention goes right back. No, literally, you've got to take your attention off the situation and put it on something else. And it literally means to fix your gaze. Now, we said this, and I'm going to say it again. Faith comes when we hear from God. And when we hear from God, we have faith. And he's called the author and finisher of our faith. Meaning this, when we hear from him, our faith starts. But it needs to be completed. And he tells us by focusing on him, our faith grows and develops and actually answers come that way. Notice this. So Moses, verse 9, made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole. So it was that if the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked, literally means turned his attention away from the bite. Now, they're not ignoring it because it's real. And then they, get, they looked to the bronze serpent. It said he lived. Notice the snakes didn't disappear. There is a lot working right here that I think is worth examining. One is this. He was not only healing their bodies, he was fixing something else that had gone wrong. You know, if you go to get your car repaired, you know, and you've got a problem, let's say you got a leak in your oil pan. Don't just keep going and putting oil in it. You ever met somebody like that? Just keep putting another one in. You know, every few days... And it, those things happen, you know what I'm talking, we all know that person, maybe it was us. At one time with that car, and you keep putting it in and keep putting it in. Well, he was trying to fix a problem. What had happened was these people uh, got their attention on all the wrong stuff. So he was adjusting something that would need to change for his people. People of faith, people that trust God, have to do something with their focus. If God tells you something great, faith comes to you. But the issue is, what do you do after faith comes? And one of the main things that people need to do is change their attention and fix their focus on what he said and on him. That is huge. Huge. I know this sounds so like... You mean you just stare at it? But understand this. If faith comes by hearing, and he's the author of our faith, didn't Jesus author faith for Peter to walk on the water? And isn't it true that just through one word that he accepted, and I will say this, the minute you hear the word of God, faith has come into your heart. Let me say that again. The minute you hear the word of God, faith comes into your heart. Let me say that again. The minute you hear the word of God, any promise, the word, anything, faith has come into your heart. 
Now, you know, as believers and Bible people, sometimes we get a wrong idea and we think, well, we got to hear it a bunch to get faith in our heart. And then what we do is we expect it won't even work until I hear this a bunch of times because I really need to get faith. You guys are pretty excited. But the fact of the matter is sometimes people think, well, you know, I've heard that verse a thousand times. I need to hear it some more. Well, I'm for you hearing it some more. But do you get faith the first time you hear it? In your heart. And the answer to that is absolutely yes. If you look in Luke or look in Mark and look at the parable of the person who gets the word planted, the very first person who hears the word, it said the devil comes to that person immediately, steals the word. And this is called a person by the wayside. Somebody who's not even, maybe even a believer. Somebody just out there. Somebody you preached to maybe and said, hey, do you know Jesus? Uh, he died and rose again for you. Do you know that word went right into his heart when, when he heard it? Because the Bible said that person it said the devil came immediately and stole the word that was sown into his heart. The heart literally is just the place you reason with. Remember Jesus? Savior, Redeemer, God in the flesh. He said to some people, he said, why do you reason in your heart? This is important. Because then we can relax and go, how many times do I have to hear this to get faith in my heart? One time. How many times did Jesus say to his people, now listen, your problem is you need to hear this more often. Now, I'm for hearing and hearing the word of God. But can you not accept the word immediately right when it's spoken and have faith in your heart? The answer to that would be, if he said faith comes by hearing, then the minute you hear, you get faith. You should probably just stop right there. That's huge. Because then I have faith. And you have faith the minute you hear a promise or a fact now, there could be lies that come against your mind and go, that's not true. But it is in your heart the minute you hear it. And if you'd accept it that way, it'll stay there. It gets in your heart the minute you hear it. But he's not only the one who starts it there, he wants to take it and bring it to full fruit. And that is so huge. So, if you hear the word of God, these people heard the word of God. How many did he tell the, of them, uh, you're going to need to read this again and again about this brazen serpent on the pole? Just keep reading it. No, those instructions were for whoever. In other words, oh, you got bit? You know, he said, if you'll just fix your gaze there, well, then they got faith. They weren't struggling to have faith. But what do we do after we get faith? Our attention and our actions after that are huge. Do we fix our attention on what we got? Because if faith comes into your heart when you hear the word, I mean, think of the potential. But what if I have had things added to my life that are like a filter in a coffee pot. People who drink coffee don't, well, I should say this, most people don't seem to want the grains. So they put something in there to filter it out. What if we have gotten things into us to filter out truth that shouldn't be filtered out? Like, well, you need to hear more. Could you imagine how it would have sounded when Jesus was on the earth if he would have been talking like that? And I'm for renewing your mind. But what if 
he said, we're going to have a miracle meeting, but you guys just got to hear a lot to really make this work. I mean, think of how many people didn't hardly know anything. They'd hear from a stranger and come and get something from the Lord. What if we just accepted what he said is so and didn't think we had to hear a bunch more and we just put our attention on it because what is it that you get when you get faith? This is a good question. What is it that you get when you get faith? This is a familiar verse. And if you get faith, you get it in your heart. What is it that you actually get? This verse is real familiar. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Sometimes familiar verses, when you read them, there can be something that just stands out. That was the million dollar question. If you're on Facebook, people have been putting on our Facebook page, does he ever drink that water? Is it the same one? There's your answer. Right there. Matter of fact, a few weeks ago, I put a smiley face on it. And um, just because people were staring. So I should have put an arrow like this back to me. Hebrews 11.1. 1. There can be something, like I said, in here that could be huge. If faith comes immediately when you hear, I mean, how many times do we tell a lost person that they have to hear the salvation message before they get faith so then they can get saved? It would almost seem foolish to tell them 10,000 times. Like, no, you can't pray yet. You need to hear it again. Or can you get faith and do you get faith right away? And what is this faith that you get in your heart? Hebrews 11.1, 1, a familiar verse. I don't know that we've read it in a while, but now faith is the substance. So you could say it like this, faith that you get in your heart the minute you hear is actually some kind of substance. So you could say this, the substance of salvation, healing, deliverance, immediately comes into your heart the second you hear that truth. Literally, and what is this substance? It's the substance of the thing you hope for or desire. Or, it's the substance of what you don't see. No wonder when people hear the Word of God, when their mind doesn't have time to kind of talk back, you go, healing is for you. The Lord has paid for it. You go, oh, yeah. Because right at that moment, you're not looking at your ankles, whatever. And you're like, yes. Why? Because substance is in you. You recognize it as a reality in your heart. You're like, yeah, healing for my ankles, it's been paid for already. I remember hearing a story of a minister uh, dealing with some people who uh, were new to some things, and this was in the 50s, and he had a ministry to minister to the sick, but he said when this person came, he had no power flowing through him. He said it had subsided. He had gotten tired. He wasn't yielding. And this person came and needed healing in their body. Matter of fact, they were crippled. So he started explaining to them that the Lord had already paid for it. And it was like a light went on, he said, in them. You could tell. Now, he only read a couple scriptures to him. 
and they believed it. They were like, yes, that's it. And then he said this, which was huge. And this, I think, is helpful for all of us. He said, before this person could change their attention and start looking at how they felt, looking at their body and not being able to feel their legs, he said, before they could get over into the natural, he said, I want you to do this. What was he trying to do? Get them to act on the substance that was in their heart. What kind of substance? The healing was there. That's what happened in the Bible when Paul preached the gospel to that man in Acts, the 14th chapter. It said he had faith to be healed. And you know what's so interesting? There's probably, the fact is, that guy probably wasn't even saved. And he heard one message, and he got faith to be healed. Or you could say this, he had the substance of his healing on the inside of him right when he heard. Got right in his heart. Paul looked at him and he said, I perceive that this man's got faith to be healed. Just from hearing one message, he got the substance of his healing in him. But the issue was, though faith came or the substance came, he didn't see the result immediately. But he had to begin to act. And that is a huge thing. I wonder how many people have the substance of all kinds of miracles in them. I'm talking believers, but maybe for some reason or another, they've allowed themselves to be talked out of it. Like maybe I just need to hear more. But I'll tell you what, this is going over good, but it is. If you have the substance of it, it works. See, Peter, Jesus originated Peter's faith. He said, come. He had the substance or the ability now within him to walk on the water. But I'll tell you what, if he would have slowed down and started examining everything that he later examined, he might not have stepped out of the boat. Or he might have stepped out and gone right down. But he acted on the substance was in him. What was that substance? We call it faith. And it literally had the ability to work a miracle right then. And so, just like we see in this story, or the story we just read, how that they were not only to get faith from hearing, but they were to keep their attention on the right thing. That was an act of faith. Jesus authors our faith and wants to fulfill our faith. If I don't see something immediately, I need to make sure that I've got my gaze fixed on the right thing. I mean, right now, well, not right now, but with the coronavirus, different things, man, you can't watch TV and just feed, you know, on certain things because they'll just tell you it's everywhere. It's doing this. And they'll tell you negative things. And then if somebody gets sick, all those thoughts try to come. I mean, when I was little, you were allowed to play in the cat box. I mean, the sandbox at school. And you'd grab some buried treasure and go, ooh. And then the bell would ring and you'd run in and eat lunch. Nobody washed their hands. We just weren't taught that those germs run up your arm, jump on your food. We weren't taught that. I remember when I was young, my mom would say, go wash your hands, wash your arms, you're dirty. And I'd look and I couldn't even see the dirt. Anybody remember being... Look, I remember washing and see this, the veins of dirt, you know, where the water ran. You're like, I'm clean. 
how many people were like that back then? Now people are like taking a shower before they eat because they're thinking germs. It's because of our focus. God said, you are this, but where is our focus after what he said? And so here it says, now faith is the substance of the thing you hope for. When you hear the very substance of whatever it is you need is in you. Somebody said, well, then I need it out. I need it working. And that's where we act. Now, turn to Proverbs 4. Another familiar verse. Haven't read it in a while, but it seemed really good. The minister who founded the school where I went to Bible school was miraculously healed. He preached other verses a lot. But I read a book where he said, here in Proverbs 4, he said this verse, or these verses here, these two verses, helped him more in his life than any other verses in the Bible. I remember reading that thinking, wait a minute, that, nuh-uh. But he, he said that. He said these verses and what we're going to talk about here is exactly what we've been saying. Faith comes when you hear. What do you do after you've heard if you don't see immediate change? Notice Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. We would say this, listen to a message, read your Bible, read some promises, whatever. My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. What does that mean, incline your ears to my sayings? It just literally means accept what he has said is so. Accept what he has said as so. Because if you incline your ears to someone saying, you know, I could say something to somebody and somebody else can say the opposite, whatever you accept, whether what I say or someone else says, you're inclining your ear to that. In other words, you're accepting it. And so he said, read it, just accept it. Know that the Bible is God's book. And then he said, after you've done that, guess what? The minute you hear it and accept it, you have the substance of whatever you need in you. Right then. Period. Flat out. That's it. You got it. The goods are in you. And that's good to hear. Because then it stops people from having to labor. And what happens is, if we think wrong, our expectation changes. Because we go, I, you know, I couldn't get it that quick. Nope. The minute you heard it, it went in you. The very substance of whatever it is you need. I mean, you know, September 11th just passed. And we remembered, uh, you know, the tragedies that happened in the United States. But I remember watching a video with the plane that landed in the field where they, the people got up and took over the plane, if you know, you remember the story, and they flew the thing into, into the ground so that the White House or whatever building it was they were going to use it on, the plane didn't get hit. And I thought, I wonder if anybody on the plane tried to preach to the other people. I mean, sure, we, we don't want the White House to get hit. We don't want any of that. It's, I'm grateful for those people giving their lives. I mean, that's awesome. But I thought, I wonder if anybody said, Jesus died and rose again. Call on him. We're, we're, we're going to see him. Or we're going to go into the afterlife. Could you imagine if somebody said, but you've got to hear this like a hundred times. No, they could hear it just like that and with sincerity call on the Lord and they'd be saved. Notice this. 
writing to the believer, and, and this person, when he was crippled, said this became the turning point in his miracle. He had started to see truth, and he said, but I would always, even though I saw the truth, I would always picture a negative outcome. A negative outcome to where I was at. I always saw myself getting worse. He said, I always saw myself not being able to play. He said, but when I saw these verses, I started to change. And he said, actually, he, even, he didn't get instantly healed, but he said, my body even started to change. He said this, verse 20, he said, once I heard and accepted things, he said, do not let them depart from your eyes. What does it mean to keep them before your eyes? Well, that can't literally mean, you know, have a Bible in front of you because it gets real tough to drive like that. You know, or to do work with your computer and you got a scripture and your boss comes up and is like, what are you doing? Well, I got to keep this before my eyes. Well, that can't be what he means. What does it mean to keep it before your eyes? It means that's where you need to fix your gaze. You need to turn your attention away from whatever problem it is you're facing and start seeing yourself with the answer. That was the whole thing about the brazen serpent on the pole, is in the middle of a problem to start seeing yourself with the answer. And recognize that when you heard the word, you technically did get the answer in your heart. Let me say that again. You did get the answer in your heart. You know, when, when you get up and preach, especially I notice this in believers meetings, you start talking and, or at prayer, we have prayer on Tuesday and Friday. I'll get up and start talking. I'll notice something like going, uh, inside, way deep down inside going, uh. And, and I'll recognize God's witnessing to something numerous times when I have said that you have the substance of your miracle or you have the substance of whatever it is you're trusting in you the minute you hear. There have been people here who have noticed something right down here. Like, uh-huh, yeah. Anybody notice that? Put your hand up if you have. I, I know there's people. That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't do this all the time, but he's talking about your ankles too. And, uh, but if we don't get our attention on the right thing, and what do we do then? We just need to know, I need to put my attention on the right thing. I've got the substance of this. I'm going to begin to act from the heart or act on that substance. I'm going to act like it's true. I'm going to turn my attention away from one thing and on to another. I'm not denying that that there's something wrong in my ankle or ankles. But he said, this is it. I've given it to you. What if, I've seen this with people who, uh, who've given their life to the Lord, especially where I was in California. There uh, were people when I, they'd give their life to the Lord, they, they maybe came out of a gang or something. And, and after they came out, some of them had such radical experiences. Some of them, uh, with the Lord, they would just keep looking at the problem and looking at the neighborhood they were in and looking at all the junk going on around them. And, and you would tell them, don't do that. Yeah, but it's all there. And really what was happening was they were shutting off the life of God from flowing in them. God's life was in them. And I watched some of those very people who had dramatic experiences with the Lord just drift back. And you know, that doesn't have to happen to anybody. This principle right here can revolutionize your walk. Doesn't matter what you're struggling with. Know that he originates faith the minute you hear it. He will perfect it as you keep looking unto him. Here, and, and we'll, we'll look at another verse that's profound in this way, because you can actually manifest the life and the peace of God in you by doing what we're talking about. 
Notice this. Do not let them depart from your eyes. That means make sure you're seeing yourself with the answer. Don't see yourself failing. Once you've heard the word, realize that's why when you hear the word, you get excited. Because there's substance in you for that. And so he said, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. The third thing, do not let it depart from your eyes. Keep it, or keep them, in the midst of your heart. Well, if I'm going to make it not depart from my eyes, that means I'm going to keep my mind, my attention, on the fact that what he said is so. And then, to keep it in my heart, I'm going to repeat it. Why? Because the sower sows the word through proclamation. The first person who heard it, it got put into his heart the minute he heard. You can hear from yourself. You can hear from others. That is not a confession trying to manifest something. It's just keeping the word in your heart. It's just keeping the word in your heart. Let's look at this verse and we're going to close. Romans, the 8th chapter. We need to keep our attention. If the word comes, what do we do after the word has come? What do I do once faith comes? I need to keep my attention on the answer. I need to see myself with the answer. That minister I was talking about said, instead of seeing himself failing and not being able to play and do different things, he said that was one of the biggest turning points in his life. He said, though I couldn't walk, I started seeing myself playing. He eventually walked out his healing. He said, I saw myself preaching. But he couldn't preach at the moment. Romans the 8th chapter. You're probably there. I'm not. But what's interesting is our focus as believers is huge. It is a big thing. And I would venture to say this. Uh, God deals with all of us about this at different times in our life. And we're talking about if we don't see a miracle happen immediately, what do we then do? We don't get our mind on the problem. We keep it on the answer. We see ourselves with it. Notice this in Romans 8, 6. It says to be carnally minded is death. That's not the part I wanted to get to. <laughs> Most people probably already know that, whether they know it or not. But notice this. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. This is not written to the world. This doesn't work for them. They need to know the Lord. But when he said to be spiritually minded or get your mind on the answer, get your mind on the Lord, keep your mind there, it will begin to produce life. Literally, it means God's life in and through you. And then it says it will begin to cause peace, God's peace, to minister in and through you. There used to be a thing we I heard this years ago. I haven't heard this in years. They used to say, do you know you could practice the presence of the Lord? And I remember when I first heard that, I was like, practice? How, what do you mean? Well, I just want to experience it. But they would say, you practice. And I'm like, practice? And then they'd say, yeah, what you do is just keep your mind on the Lord, and then it will manifest his presence. Well, I didn't know that was in the Bible. I didn't know that that is a truth, that you can minister to your own self in some aspects just by keeping your focus on the answer. It will begin to produce divine life through you, divine peace in and through you. I think, you know, like our body has... Um, gauges that kind of help us with uh, things like God made us this way. 
you know, you ever see those people where they're like, we're going to this thing and they're going to put these hot coals out and we're all going to walk across the hot coals. When does that ever seem like a really good idea? So you can get done and go, I walked across the hot coals. I got a picture to show it and you're all, ugh. And I've read stories where people have done that and then later on they had burns and stuff like that. You know why? God made you like that. Serious, he did. Do you know he made it so that if you put your hand on something hot long enough, it will hurt? I know these things are quite genius that I'm talking right now. But think about it. If you go put your hand on hot stove, you ever grab something and went, whoa. And then you ever grab something that wasn't too hot? And you're like, I've got just enough to make it over there to the counter. You know what I mean? You ever done that? You ever thought, I think I'm misjudging this. <laughs> right? We've all done that. And we're like, oh, 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 oh. Because our body is made like that. You know? And, and, you know, maybe some people are a little different because they've gotten used to different things. My grandmother, we called her Granny, owned a beauty salon and uh, a beauty parlor. And uh, don't want to make a mistake on this one. And so we would uh, go to her. When we were at her house on the weekend, she'd wash our hair. I mean, she might as well have just boiled water. Because she's so used to it. would be like, ah, she's, it needs to be this way. We never had it. But she was so used to it, she could just run that hot water over our head. And didn't bother her. She said, it needs to be this way. Why? It hurts. You know, you leave and your scalp's red. And, um, but you get used to different things. Your body was made like that. But do you know your mind and heart were made that way too? That if you put your mind on the wrong thing and leave it there, it'll start to produce yuck. Like, ugh. And just like if you put your hand on something hot, you'd go, ah, I need to move my hand from that. If you put your mind on something like that, you need to recognize, ah, I need to move my mind away from that. And just like some things maybe are worse than others, but how many people in the world have kind of got used to just having their mind there? And the hot water doesn't burn anymore. But do you know the awesome thing about this is if we keep certain things before our eyes, according to this verse, to be spiritually minded, and we can be spiritually minded. Let me say that. We can be spiritually minded. Every believer can be spiritually minded. will produce the atmosphere of heaven, literally divine life through you. So if I find myself maybe not in the peace of God like I would like, this is where I need to look. You know, there are, there's a scripture, and we'll close in Isaiah, I believe it's 55, where it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. I'm tempted to read it, since it's just us here today. I'm going to. Wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to. Because when it talks about being spiritually minded there, I think some people think, well, we can't be spiritually minded. And often we have been taught this verse, and rightfully so, sort of. Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, or your ways, my ways, says the Lord. Let me read that again. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. Is he writing that to everybody? No. And he's probably not writing it to you. We can be spiritually minded. Who was he really talking to? Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
call upon his name while he is near. Well, we already found him. He or he found us. Notice what it says. Let the wicked forsake his what? Wait, who? Who? The wicked. And let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Notice what it says. His ways. His thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. Do you need to return to the Lord? Maybe not. And he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. Who is he talking to? Everybody or people who are living wrong? So maybe there were a bunch of people who had his thoughts and his ways. Because notice what he said. He said, let the wicked forsake his ways, for my ways are not your ways. How many righteous people we got? Everybody's saved. He said, let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So think about it. This can't be written to everyone. Hallelujah. We can be spiritually minded is what I'm getting at. Then he goes on to say, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Who? The wicked and the evil, not you. So we just need to make sure we keep our mind on the answer. We could truly say when we keep our mind on the answer, my thoughts are his thoughts. My ways are his ways. And if you read on, verse 10, For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and does not return there, but waters the earth, and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread for eating, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. What does that mean? When you hear it and accept it, it will get in you. And it will begin to produce something. And for anybody who will just open themselves up and take it, it will begin to produce something wonderful if they'll keep their attention on it. And it shall not return void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing to which I sent it. So in other words, a healing scripture in your heart will give you the substance of healing. Peace scriptures in your heart, just hearing it will give you the substance of peace. Keep your attention on it. Begin to act in line with it. And what's interesting is it says that stuff will start to manifest in you. In you. 